Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, here to bring you what I know everyone has been craving now that the offseason is here, a deep math primer into how much cap space the Falcons will have at their disposal in 2023. This is a much more exciting show than last year's version. For those of you that remember that, we were sort of... uh, pulling out all the stops to figure out how how they could sign a a roster and how they could make things work with some creative extensions and cuts and trades and things of that nature, some of which did come to fruition, some of which didn't, some of which surprised us, like the Calvin Ridley suspension that really threw a wrench into everything. Um, This year, the Falcons just have a lot more money at their disposal. That's what we're going to get into how much they have. Uh, we're going to break down sort of how all this stuff is calculated a little bit too and show you guys how sort of the inner workings of the cap function to and how we arrive at some of these numbers um, as, well as, as well as going over some potential cap casualties, players that could be cut to save cap space. I'm sure you know the main one already, but there is one more player uh, that could be cut to save significant money for the Falcons that they could go with, you know, they could go in that direction. We'll also look at the priority re-signings for the Falcons because that is a a potential group that could take up a lot of the Falcons available cap space. I'm not sure everyone's factoring in all of those players into their calculations. So we'll get to all that stuff today. We'll break it down uh, in an efficient manner, as efficient as we can. It's a lot to get to, but we'll try to to get through it here in the next 20 to 30 minutes or so on the Falcoholic podcast before we take off do want to remind folks to please leave us that five-star review if you're listening to the podcast audio. We really do appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, you will get some graphics that that break down the numbers for you. Um, so if you want that and you're listening to the audio, just pull it up on YouTube to actually see the numbers uh, in detail there. But if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe as well. You can also contribute to our Senior Bowl fund, as you can see right there at the bottom. Uh, it is well underway. We've got about 21 days until the Senior Bowl kicks off here. Uh, and every every little bit helps uh, the coverage. So thank you guys so much uh, for, for everyone who has already contributed to that. And if you're so inclined, you can do so by going to streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. You can leave a question there as well. And we will get to that on the next live show. Or you can do it on my Venmo, which is linked to my Twitter account, at Kevin. Again, guys, thank you so much for that. And let's dive right in to the Falcons cap space discussion here on the Falcoholic podcast. So the first graphic we're going to look at is the overall cap space uh, calculation here for the Falcons. So the numbers you're going to notice right off the bat, the base salary cap is the first thing that we're going to be working with. And to be clear, this has not been decided. This is a number that is agreed upon by the NFL and the NFL. It's based on the revenue sharing split that all 32 teams have. 
all 32 teams will have the same base salary cap. Right now, pretty much every site is using the $225 million number, uh, including over the cap, which is where I'm going to be pulling these numbers from. Hat tip to them. It's a great resource for everyone looking to get information on cap space. Spokeback is another one that's a good resource as well. They sometimes have a little bit of a different number. Uh, so it's always interesting to look at both of them. Um, so right now we're working with a base salary cap of $225 million. So that's the total amount you can spend on your roster and on dead money from contracts that you moved on from. Um, there was a report a couple of weeks back um, from Richard Sherman who is on the NFLPA board, by the way, that they were planning more like a 228 million base salary cap. So if they go for that, or if they go for something higher, this number, these numbers actually could go up so that they, you could have a little bit more cap at your disposal. But as of right now, there's no talk of it going down from that 225 estimate. So these numbers that we're going to be working with today are based on the 225 number, but it could go up a little bit, you know, three, five million. We'll see. Um, and that just would help things even more. So that that's just extra money that the Falcons could have. Um, so it's something to keep in mind. Um, right now, the Falcons active cap spending for 2023. So what that means, this is how much money they're spending on the active roster. Um, right now, they're spending $155.14 million. I'm rounding a lot of these smaller numbers up to two decimal points just to keep things more concise. Uh, <laughs> so you're welcome. Um now, I want everyone to realize why, and you look at these numbers, and we'll get to it, the Falcons have signed 18 players to futures contracts, so that's why these numbers probably look a little bit smaller than you might have expected based on what the numbers were quoted in the offseason. Bear with me here. This these are this is normal. This is natural part of building the roster in the offseason. Um, so we'll get there. Trust me. Uh, dead money right now. Uh, Falcons only working with $13.09 million. That number is likely to go up if they do make some cap cuts, but the savings will be worth it. Uh, notably, I think about $70 million less than they were working with this year in terms of dead money. So obviously a much healthier dead money situation for the Falcons. So you, you take the active cap spending and the dead money and you subtract that from the base salary cap. And right now the Falcons are working with about 61.78 million in total cap space for 2023. There are some other numbers baked into that, like rollover from 2022 and stuff like that. I'm not going to break that down in as much detail here. You could go to over the cap. You can go to Spotrack if you want to see that numbers in detail. But end of the day, the number that you're looking at right now in terms of total cap space the Falcons have at their disposal at this very moment for 2023, about 61.78 million, which is a lot. It's the second most in the NFL. Um, it's a ton. So that's a very good place to be at this point in the offseason, especially considering, like I said, that the Falcons did sign another 18 players to their roster on futures contracts, ranging in price from like a little over a million to 750000 give or take. Um, and what that has done for the Falcons has actually put them over 51 players, and that's important because we get into the top 51 rule, which means that now anytime the Falcons sign a player... The uh, only the top 51 most expensive contracts count against the salary cap in the offseason. So when the Falcons sign a new player, you would subtract if the player is more expensive than the 51st contract, then you would subtract the amount of the 51st contract from that more expensive player's contract to get their actual salary cap hit because that other contract is falling below the line and no longer counting. If the player is cheaper than the 51st contract, they don't count at all. So they're essentially free. 
Um, last year, there was like a little bit of, a, of math needed for the Falcons to even get to that 51 number before those contracts started falling off. At this point, they've already got, I think they're at 57 or 58 players at this time. So um, they're already way ahead of that. I think the Falcons actually have the second most players under contract in the NFL right now for 2023 as well. So we're, we're a far cry from 2022 uh, roster math, barely getting under the cap here. Um, one more number we need to calculate as a part of this is that the Falcons will need to sign their rookies, right? Obviously, we don't know exactly which picks they will get. I mean, we, we have a good idea of what picks they have now, but if they make trades, if they swap players or do whatever, the that could change. But as of right now, it's estimated that the Falcons will need a little over $5 million to actually sign the rookie class. That's $5.13 million. So you subtract that from their total cap space to get a number that uh, the site's referred to as effective cap space, and that's basically how much money you actually have to spend, um, and that's $56.65 million, which, again, is really good. It's very high. It's a lot of money, uh, especially for a team that already has more than enough players on the roster. Now, uh, 18 of those players were futures contracts, guys, and not, not all those guys are going to make the team. A lot of them were practice squad players, but the Falcons already, you know, essentially have 53 players, or more, so they don't necessarily need to go out and sign a bunch more players to to get to field a roster, so they can potentially use this cap space to sign some more expensive free agents. Um, so the next the next graphic we're going to look at here is the potential savings that the Falcons could get. Right, so some potential salary cap cuts, casualties. The first one you'll all be familiar with. Uh, it's quarterback Marcus Mariota, no longer the starter, was benched this season. Um, and Mar and he's probably not coming back based on all that's happened since he was benched. Um, and the other reason is that the Falcons saved $12 million straight up in cap savings with only a two and a half dead money hit on that deal. Um, and so, so everyone knows the cap savings takes into account the dead money. Um, so the net savings is still 12 million overall, um, even including that dead money. So that's a no-brainer. The Falcons are going to release Marcus Mariota. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Probably not at this point, but um, that's sort of a no-brainer. The other guy that unfortunately could be on the chopping block this offseason is cornerback Casey Hayward. Ended up missing half the season with his injury. He is making $7 million this year, um, which I think if he was healthy and playing at a high level, you, you'd keep him around because the Falcons need cornerback help. They do. But right now, as it stands, he's a million cap savings with just two million in dead money, and he's going to be, I think, thirty-four this year. And the Falcons have a lot of cap space to potentially go sign somebody else that might be at a similar price point, but not necessarily have the injury concern or the age concern. So um, it's seeming more and more likely that that's going to be the route they take. But he could be back, and again, it's only five million savings, and the Falcons clearly have enough money, so they may or may not do it. But so far, these are the two guys that I'm counting as potential cuts for the calculations in today's show. Um, and if the Falcons make those two moves, they clear up another $17 million in cap and salary cap space, which is, again, that's a nice chunk of money as well. So you make those two moves. There, there are a few other players that you could get some savings from. Um, Corderell Patterson is the only other guy, I think, above $2.5 in savings. I sort of doubt that they would do it. They don't really save that much money net. Um, and Coral Patterson's a good player. 
you know, also sort of a, a fan favorite just doesn't seem worth it to me when they're not really in financial uh, trouble anymore. So I don't think they're going to make that. And everybody else is sort of a million or less in cap savings. Some of those cuts will happen probably, you know, in training camp and things like that. So there's the opportunity to, to clear up a little bit more money here and there if they want to carry some extra space into the season. But for the most part, these are the two main guys that we're going to be looking at. Um, so if the Falcons do make those moves uh, and and get the $17 million in cap savings from the cuts, they will now be sitting at a, poten- a potential cap-based number of $73.65 million, which is very good, obviously. Um, and that now takes into account their rookies being signed and the potential cuts that they, they're, they're likely to make going into the season. So this now sets them up with the rest of this money essentially being available for them to sign free agents. But before we get into external free agents, we probably want to look at the guys that they're likely to re-sign in-house. Um, and those guys, for the record, I do a list of them here, the ones that I would consider priority free agents, not necessarily all terribly expensive guys, but guys that I would personally re-sign. Um, and it's actually a pretty big list. Um, so this is these are guys that you want to, and these are numbers you want to take into account when you're doing your calculations as well. So Chris Lindstrom, the first one we're going to talk about, he's not actually a free agent. So the Falcons don't need to extend him. He's still on his fifth-year option. But I think it would be advantageous for them to extend him now. Um, they could potentially use the fifth, use the extension to actually lower his cap hit, which going into this season I think is over $13 million. They don't necessarily need to, but they could. Um, but as of right now, I'm sort of assuming a $20 million cap hit for Lindstrom on an extension because I think that's likely to happen. Um, now, since he's already making over $13 million, he doesn't actually cost the full $20 million against the cap extra. He costs about 7 extra or whatever, so that's factored into the numbers already. But I do think they will extend Lindstrom. Caleb McGarry is the one that's actually the free agent. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about maybe he'll be franchise tagged, in which case he's going to cost a little over $18 million on the offensive line franchise tag. I think if they extend him, he's probably going to get a little less than that per year. Right now, I'm sort of estimating around $17 million, but you never know with free agency. It could be crazy. It could be more. He could not come back at all. But the big ticket guy right now is Caleb McGarry. Um, so we'll see if they do end up going that route and re-signing him. But if they do, he will probably be the biggest chunk of cap space that they spend in-house will be to bring back Caleb McGarry. So that's, that's a big one. Then we have sort of the... Uh, contributors, like the guys that you definitely want to bring back that aren't necessarily going to break the bank. So first, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus, probably the most expensive one. He's just 26. I think he's a quality wide receiver three. Um, and he's probably going to be in about that 4 million a year ballpark. Maybe you lower that a little bit in terms of cap hit if you spread it out over a few seasons or whatever, but that's that's about what I think he's going to get. Uh, Rashawn Evans, if they want to bring him back, I think he's going to get about 3 million a year, give or take. Um, so that, that's one to factor in Lorenzo Carter, the edge rusher. I do think he's worth bringing back as a versatile guy. Um, tight end, Michael Pruitt, the, the new unicorn, according to Aaron Freeman. Uh, I do really like Michael Pruitt. I think he's just a rock solid tight end too, for this team clearly has good chemistry with Ritter clearly has good hands and is effective as a red zone weapon, which the Falcons really need. Um, I would re-sign him to a $3 million a year contract, uh, maybe for two more years. 
uh, without question. Maybe he even gets a little bit more than that. Um, but I, I think he's a great fit here. He's a good blocker. Um, I think you, you re-sign him and you, and you solidify your tight end position with him and Parker Hesse and John Fitzpatrick, who didn't actually play this year, but he's in still in house. So a lot of, I think if you re-sign Michael Pruitt, you sort of solved your tight end position. You don't really need to make any more moves there. It's well worth the 3 million in my opinion. Um, Bradley Pinion, the punter, great year. Uh, same age as Youngway Koo. I would lock him up long-term. He's probably going to be in about that two and a half to three million ballpark as well. The other one to consider is uh, cornerback Isaiah Oliver, probably also in that two and a half million a year range. Started to play better towards the end of the season. Started to get some safety reps. Didn't have a great year overall, but um, I think worth resigning to see. Uh, maybe bring him back on a one-year deal again, and, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, but if you add all that stuff up and you factor in the top 51 rule that I mentioned earlier, the approximate total for signing all of these guys to the deals that I have listed here uh, is about 35 million, give or take. So we're just going to go with that because it's a nice round number. So you have to take that money into account to bring in all these guys back. Um, that's going to cost the Falcons about 35 million. Um, so at that point, when you bring those guys back, costing about 35 million you subtract that from the potential cap space that the Falcons could have of 73.65 and you get about 39 million cap space remaining um which again is a very good number and that's money that you can use to bring in external free agents um that's more than enough to bring in several big name guys that's a Jesse Bates for instance several defensive linemen perhaps an outside linebacker, perhaps a corner. They could bring in a lot of sort of more depth, you know, high-end depth guys or, you know, like mid-range starter type guys. They could go a lot of different ways with that money. Um, And that, you know, how they finagle some of these deals, they could get some cap hits down and squeeze more guys in this year. They Or they could try to pay out more money this year and sign fewer guys. It's all on the table, but I do think at the end of the day, they're going to be working with about $39 million in signing external guys, um, which again is a lot of money. It gives them plenty of options for free agency. It gives them plenty of options for extending their own guys, um, and depending on the decisions they make, depending on the players they do bring back or resign, or, or you know, they, they will have a lot of opportunity to maneuver and improve the roster uh throughout and i think that uh, this is going to be a very different offseason that we've been used to in recent years with the falcons having all of this space um they'll basically have the ability to bring back anyone they want on their roster and then go out and get potentially some some really key free agent additions um i would sort of caution people that i don't believe they're likely to do like huge more than one big big signing i think it's probably going to be more of those like five to ten million signings like several of those plus maybe one big name guy and i know right now i have jesse bates circled as the big name guy but i'm sure a lot of teams would like to, to sign jesse bates so we'll see how high the bidding goes for his services but um i do think that this is a a good situation for the falcons they'll have a lot of money at their disposal. They'll have a lot of options to bring back their own players and, of course, to get in some external guys. And, of course, the draft is another big factor. Um, this factors in, you know, being able to sign all their draft picks. And um, it's also important to note that the Falcons generally are one of the more cautious teams, I think, when it comes to keeping cap space in reserve. 
Um, so they do have that 39 million number to play around with, but they're probably going to keep five to nine, five to 10 million of that in reserve. Uh, so, you know, you could try to maximize it with your deals if you want, but they are likely to, to save some of that for the season if they need to, to make any trades or make any emergency moves to give themselves more flexibility. They've done that in each of their two years. They haven't spent down to the wire. I think they are likely to continue to do that. So factor that into your calculations as well. But um, certainly a very healthy financial situation. When you have this much space, you can use it to either maximize your roster by maxing out all these contracts and pushing money into the future and all these things, or you can use it to keep a healthy financial situation going forward by front-loading deals and giving yourself future flexibility. Um, I sort of think that the Falcons are more likely to do the latter um, and front-load stuff and and not you know and give them more flexibility in future seasons as opposed to really trying to maximize the cap space right now. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what this front office and coaching staff decide to do now that they actually have money. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, for sure. But guys, uh, that's going to wrap us up today. We got we got all, through all those numbers in 20 minutes. I'm impressed. Um, don't want to overload you with too much more. We're going to be I'm going to be going through each position group on the Falcons roster, talking about which guys the Falcons might resign, how big the need is there, as along with some potential free agent additions. Um, some guys that I might like in the draft. Um, and we'll be doing that over the next few weeks. Uh, it's going to be mostly senior bowl stuff for a few weeks as well coming out on this channel. So we'll get a good mix of draft and free agency stuff here as we get closer and closer to the all-star circuit. And of course, to free agency kicking off in early March. So guys, thanks again for watching. Please do like and subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave that five-star review on if you're listening to the podcast audio uh those those really help us out help the show grow so thank you so much for taking the time um like i said i'm kevin knight at falcoholic kevin you can follow me there for takes go to the falcoholic.com for all that tremendous written content as well and uh if you're so inclined you can follow our patreon and support us on a monthly basis to patreon.com slash falcoholic live uh you can check out the discord the link is right there um and yeah, we really appreciate everyone for watching today. We will see you guys next time on the Falcoholic Live, which will be uh, still on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern during the off season. So until next time, guys, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Podcast.